we thought it'd be a good idea to, to have some time of discussion, especially since um, the ABFs, while I was gone, were taught by Jake Hopper and, and Greg Rolak, who were not as fully prepared to handle the questions that Daniel got from his message. They're waiting for you. Um, I'm sure everything I said was really clear, so I know it's just Daniel you guys have questions for, but... Um, and we've got some other material to talk about as well, um, but let me have a word of prayer, and then we will begin. Lord God, we, we thank you for the, the bond we have in the gospel with each other, uh, the bond we have as a local church, as your body, and I pray now that you would um, even give further clarity, further uh, understanding, uh, that we might work even more in unison and in lockstep together for your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we got people with mics. Um, are there any questions? If you think if we want to really stick to this, primarily those six points, trying to keep a narrow focus here. Any questions on anything covered in the last four or five weeks? Or is everything clear as could be? I did. Check, check. I didn't want to sit here the whole hour just looking at you guys. So, um, you mentioned something earlier, Jeremy, about how this is a a work in progress. Um, I think a struggle for me would be to teach on this and then just have some sort of contrived. Uh, looking church um, by just checking boxes or whatever. But I do, can you speak to the progression of this? And I feel like for me, the longer I come to this body, the more I love the body itself and the people in the body. And that's not because I'm doing the right things or checking the right boxes, but because my heart is being changed towards people in the body so just can you speak to the progression of how how that looks sure um i think ephesians 4 is still my favorite passage for how this works it's 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 a progression done by lots of little parts working in unison it's not a progression done through a great sermon or through a great song but rather um, 415, speaking the truth in love, we're going to grow up in every way into him who is the head. I mean, that, that, that umbrella category, speaking the truth in love, that, that's encouragement, that's instruction, that's rebuke and correction. I mean, that, that's so many different categories of the use of words, words that edify, words that warn, words that encourage words that comfort, words that instruct. We're speaking the truth in love. I mean, an evangelism, in one sense, is speaking the truth in love to your neighbor, right? So the body is primarily being built up as the units, the, the individual members come together speaking the truth and love to themselves in the various contexts. So a sermon should be speaking the truth and love, as an ABF is speaking the truth and love, as a conversation over coffee and donuts should be speaking the truth and love. That's 
it's the individual members speaking the truth in love and all those various contexts that here grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. It's not three or four key people. It's every joint doing this. Um, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So that growth is going to be the result of thousands and hundreds of thousands of individual words spoken through individual joints and members. It's a conglomerate. You know, a sermon here, a song there can be a drop in the bucket, but really it's this picture of this organism where every part is functioning properly, intent on building itself up. That, that's how I see the progress, if you want to add anything to that. Does that answer your, your question? Or? Yeah, I just wanted to, to expand on that. What's the spirit's work? What's God's work in that? I mean, obviously working through the spirit. Microphone. Hold on. Here, there you go. And I guess as we speak the truth in love, for those who are born again and have the spirit in them, God's word is efficacious. It it. it it causes the heart to change and um so anyway and, and using the metaphor of church growth in the first corinthians three one man waters one man plants god makes it grow mm -hmm. and so he's talking about the teaching ministry of apollos at corinth and the growth that occurs is god making it grow and i'd say it's by his spirit the union is the spirit and the word and we're going to see when we get to john three we have very little we have no control over where the wind blows. However, we can throw the seed that the Spirit uses and sees in our speech and our words with them constantly. So the Spirit's role is to add the growth. Our, our, our role is to be faithful in scattering that seed. Somewhere in the New Testament, we're commanded, I believe, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, also, I think you you mentioned this morning too and probably elsewhere in this series that uh that's probably not likely outside the the church right amen come on people i got it rolling <laughs> <laughs> no that we have some extra things to talk through if you guys don't have any questions we can we can we can continue on. Um, oh, nope, we got one over Liz, and then in the back, okay. So you talked about serving the church with spiritual gifts. Yeah. How would you go about finding your spiritual gift and um, putting that to good use in a body? Well, I got this survey. At, no, sorry. Um, everyone see, the surveys can be okay. Um, this is one where I'll let both of us take an answer because we might give slightly different answers. I get hung up sometimes even distinguishing between what's a spiritual gift and what's a natural gift. And I'm not entirely sure it matters that I make the distinction. Like, so I would think the Spirit gifted me in teaching, but was I a poor communicator before I became a Christian? Did the, I, can't, I couldn't parse out what part of my giftedness are things I've worked at, what part is spiritual, supernatural, what things predated my conversion. And in one sense, Paul says, there's nothing you have you've not received. So any good thing I have is a gift. Um, so my first thing is I have a hard time really zeroing in on what's my spiritual gift as opposed to what's my natural gift. That said, it's, it's going to be a combination of a couple things. Your desire 
you're meeting needs and the body is responding with encouragement and growth. So where you see needs for service, where you're moved, desirous to serve and where the body is responding saying, Hey, that, that was really helpful. That's usually that sort of triumvirate. Like, what do I like doing? What is their need to be done? And what are people encouraging me, telling me they're benedified by it? Um, th those would be sort of be the three axes I'd dial in. Daniel. Yeah. You're <clears throat> the, purpose of the gifts is to bless the rest of the body so it's natural to start at what need does the body have and so sometimes there may be a need in the body and you say well i don't have the spiritual gift of kitchen cleaning and so i'm not going to do that well that's not how it works there's a need and if you're willing to meet that need you might get down there and realize this is actually really enjoyable. I liked doing this, or I got to work with someone and we got to chat the whole time and it was a blast. And is that a spiritual gift? It's not important to say whether or not it's a spiritual gift. The body had a need, God empowered you to meet that need and the whole body is blessed by it. And Jeremy's, uh, the third part part's really important. When you're working and serving in the body, you want feedback from the rest of the body so that it's not one of those situations where you love doing this and other people don't love you doing that. <laughs> uh, there, it's good to, to have a, this is what Paul says elsewhere, not for n none of us to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And so we want some feedback as to, is this going well? Am I doing a good job at this? Is it working? And with those three, you're, it's not gonna take you long to find out how you can use what God has given you to the benefit of the body. Um, I had some question about like the definition of church a little bit because we see it as oh we all go to a building and we talk and hang out and do stuff but in other places they don't necessarily do that in such a formal sense so is there kind of like a boiled down like you have to have a pastor or do you just all have to gather together and work together and be a community or that's a great question. Let me take a swing at it. I'll let Daniel take a swing at it. The first swing I'll say is I think on our sermon archive, um, I think I have a message that I, I try to give my answer to like, what constitutes a church? And it's sort of a thought experiment. Uh, two Christians praying on the subway on the way to work, is that a church? Uh, Campus Crusade for Christ meeting on campus, is that a church? Christian summer camps, is that a church? How do you know when you're moving beyond believers to a church? Um, you asked, does it need elders? It should have elders. If you go to Titus 1.4, Paul says to Timothy, Titus, I left you in Crete to set in order what was lacking, that you'd appoint elders in every church, which tells you two things. They're still churches, even though they didn't have elders, but their church is missing something. So, I'd, so one of my parameters for a church would be it wants, it's open to, it's looking for elders. So any, or, any group of Christians that would refuse that, I'd have serious questions with because Paul says they are churches but there are churches lacking something that's why Titus has to go around and, and point out appoint elders um, so I'd say it's a group of believers gathering regularly 
around the centrality of the word, around the ordinances the Lord's given. Some people use the word sacrament. I tend to veer away from sacrament and use ordinance. But if they're willing to baptize, they're willing to celebrate the Lord's Supper, usually that's where you, you get some of these parachurch organizations become clearer. They're not baptizing. They're not celebrating the Lord's Supper. And, and they're also willing and competent to exercise discipline. If they're not willing to tell it to the church, we don't do that. Well, then I'd say you're, you're probably, whatever you are, you might be a good thing, but you're not a church. Um, so, a, a, and there needs to be some level of self-awareness that we know who we are. But any gathering of believers who gather regularly around the centrality of the word and worship, um, partaking and willing to partake in and to use as appropriate the ordinances, baptism, the Lord's Supper, willing also to, to deal with sin as Matthew 18 lays out. I think those that would be my starting parameters of what makes up a church. You want to add some clarity? Yeah, I'd clarify whether or not they are called elders, leadership in the church is essential. So even in Th Thessalonians, which... Uh, appears to be an earlier letter paul still tells them to give honor to their leaders and they they aren't called elders there maybe they were elders i don't know but there are leaders among any congregation and whether or not we call them elders is not important the the title in the new testament you have them called elders you have them called pastors you have them called overseers or bishops and the shepherds which is pastors but you have several names for them no one cares what name you give them but is someone fulfilling that function that's that would be my only clarification and if someone isn't are they open to looking for i could picture a church where the lord hasn't raised up yeah. someone in that role but they, they're looking for it and that yeah imagine the missionary field where you're just preaching the gospel and there's a couple of converts well none of them probably is mature enough to be an elder but the missionary perhaps could fill that role until one of them is mature enough to take over for them work yourself out of a job that's the missionary's goal so yeah that uh, what constitutes a church is not the number of people uh i think we have at least in um in philippi right when paul's there and lydia's converted they didn't have a synagogue which would indicate from what we know historically there weren't eight male jews there weren't eight households because that was kind of the minimum to have a synagogue so when they met by the riverside it was because they didn't have a building to meet in um, and that church started off really small but it didn't take long for it to grow so the size isn't critical is there leadership is there somebody teaching the word of god and do they have a common confession um, of faith in christ and ordinances and and i would include in the ordinances discipline okay sure sure but either way yeah <laughs> but but, but in, and, and i don't mean to harp on discipline but that really is the proof of whether or not you're viewing it as a club or an encouraging time once you've got some skin in the game where i'm accountable to you you have i'm telling you you have the right come and talk to me correct me if i step out of line and we're taking responsibility for each other 
that that whether that's explicitly stated or implicit is is can can be debated but that those relationships are in place i think are what start to separate from the place i go to get the encouraging message to a group of people that i'm that are i'm responsible for them and they're responsible for me i think that's a really critical piece um of of what it means to be a church who's next carol hart this is a passage you read part of end of first thessalonians chapter 5 and um where he it's he says we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and esteem them very highly in their work and then it goes on this is such a fantastic passage he says be at peace among yourselves and we urge you brothers admonish the idle encourage the faint-hearted help the weak be patient with them all and um, paul is not talking to uh, timothy He's not talking to a pastor. He's talking to the church of the Thessalonians, saying these are all things that you should all be doing as you strive for peace. And so that's the first thing I would say. The second thing, I, I noticed this last one, and uh, be patient with them all. And I'm thinking in a church, just like anywhere else, uh, we all have our own personality quirks and traits. True? And... Um, so I guess a question could be, at what point does someone need to be corrected? You know, I mean, I might say, well, so-and-so didn't speak to me in the, you know, or walked right by me 10 times and never said hello, or, or he gave me a really brusque answer, you know, and, and on the other hand, uh, maybe, maybe I'm the one at fault. I've got way too thin a skin or something. Maybe someone needs to correct me about that. So I guess my question on being patient with them all, at what point are we just patient with people i mean obviously some sins are just blatant and discipline is involved and where does the uh, personality and, and all of that come into play that, that's a pretty vague question isn't that's it a pretty big question okay. I'll, I'll take a swing at it Dude, go for Jeremy's, it jeremy doesn't know the answer <laughs> help help pastor daniel tag okay um uh, this this would have been my first point in the confront our commitment to confront is that it's it's known sin that's the fundamental issue if i'm going to confront someone it's going to be for sin not for uh, a, a a perceived slight not for a difference of opinion or personality conflicts but there's some blurriness there mm. where it looks to me like someone may may be rude unkind self-centered that's how it appears to me well those are sin issues right selfishness that would be a sin issue being unkind or cruel that might be a, a sin issue have they done that or not is harder to perceive and that's where i think leviticus 19 is real helpful uh go and speak frankly to your brother and by frank, it just is the idea of plainly. Don't couch it in a bunch of, you know, uh, vague terminology. Just frankly, hey, it seems to me like you're being rude every time I try to greet you on Sunday morning. And you just brush me off or you, you know, give me a brusque answer. And it seems like you don't care about what I'm saying. And I'm, it looks like that's being unkind, selfish, or rude. 
I don't know if it is, but that's what it looks like. And you can have that conversation. Now, if that brother then explodes, you know, <laughs> get out of my face. What business do you have? Now you've clearly touched on a sin issue. Right. But if they received that graciously, I had no idea. Or I, I was just in a hurry the other day and I was getting, you know, I was focused. I'm so sorry. I, I didn't pay attention to you. Now you know that that wasn't a sin issue. It may be a weakness, a maturity issue, and that person might need to grow, but it wasn't a sin issue. So that's, that, that's the basic line. Is it sin? And can I demonstrate that it's sin biblically? That should be a good check for us. And if I can't, then I can go in weakness and ask. I can still talk to them if it's bugging me, but it's not a charge. Yeah, the, the first step I would recommend for myself with anyone, I do this with my wife, with other people, when they're, when they're clearly upset by somebody, is, okay, put it in biblical categories, name the sin, give it a name biblically. And sometimes that'll just solve the problem right there. There isn't a name because we're not dealing with a sin issue. Other times, naming what you think is going on makes the, the degree of speculation involved obvious. Well, I think that... What I fear is happening is they're resentful for me and they're making a point of being resentful for me by not talking to me. Like, just even saying that out loud sounds kind of like, okay, well, that's a pretty complicated scheme. And maybe there's something there, but even just starting with the thing that's bothering you and calling it, if it is wicked, if it is evil, what is it? Give it a biblical name. Is there remotely enough evidence to make that clear? Are you dealing with clear sin? And this gets back even to the, the message I gave at the end of James on, is it ever loving to overlook sin? And I said, no, I, I think when you're dealing with known sin, you go, you go talk to somebody. I usually get the response, well, then you'd be doing nothing but confronting. I, I don't think so. I think 95% of the things I deal with are, that's fishy, which is a very different conversation. You know, um, if, if every time I see you, you suddenly leave the room. That seems odd. And maybe eventually I come to you not to confront you, but hey, Carol, have I offended you? I, am I imagining things? But the, man, the last eight times I went into a room and I was going to greet you, you took off. What's going on? And I'm not rebuking sin. I'm just confused, wanting to maintain peace, um, which is a very different thing than rebuking sin. I think 95% of the things that I'm dealing with that look weird or whatever are things where I got to ask questions, something seems off. And that's a very different approach because love hopes all things, believes all things, bears all things. And I'm not going, you know, repent. I'm going, help. what's going on? What am I missing here? There's got to be something that's going on. I'm not understanding. Help me out. Very different approach. Who's next? Oh, Dave Lample. And who's in the, okay. I'm going to have Lample go, and then we'll have. If I do it in love, will you receive, um, not really a criticism, but <laughs> I would like to suggest something that's missing from your list. You, it seems to vacillate from between what you need to do or be to be a part of the body to what the body looks like when it's in action. So this pertains more to the second part of that than qualifications for membership, whatever. Um, what I suggest is missing from the structure of this is worship. 
it's predominantly horizontal, which is, of course, necessary. But in my mind, I use the imagery of a pyramid. God's at the top. We're at the, we're at the bottom. What happens as we are worshiping God? We're not just we're not just getting closer to God. We're getting closer to each other. At the base, the furthest away from God, we're scattered. There's space between us. But as we approach him together in worship, we are rubbing shoulders with each other. We are a body. We are a family. And I think that's an important part of this equation. No, I, I my little phrase around the centrality of the word, I probably should add in the word and worship, because there's something, I don't want to make it sound mystical, but it is mystical. There's something that takes place in corporate worship that isn't taking place in my car with my CD player on. There's something that happens when we're all doing it together it's the notion of an organism moving and breathing and acting that is absent with my family worship with my wife and kids there's something not quantifiable that that's happening when we're all singing together when we're all in prayer together and that that is i think absolutely uh, it was remiss not to mention it that we are doing that together we're going we're to sing together we're going to praise god together we're going to be um washed god is to be our focus I <clears throat> I think I see worship in four and six. The gathering with regularly isn't spelled out, but I would I would see it in there. I know. I, I, I take your critique. Maybe we could spell it out more. But I would see in the gathering that is an essential part of our gathering is worship. Um, and but that could be spelled out better. And then also as we gather together under the leadership of the church, what is what is the call to worship? And so that's part of, of, of following the leadership of the church is, hey, <clears throat> as we gather together this morning, we gather together to worship the risen Christ. We gather to worship the Lord. Join with us as we praise him. Um, there, there are probably, there are probably another dozen points we could add. Um, but that one might be worth, you know, yeah. clarifying. We try to be, it's easy to add rules. And so we try not to add more points without it being an issue of contention or we see that it's not clear. So if we looked around the body and, and it was like, hey, nobody's worshiping the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and it would it would probably need to be clarified. Well, and and part of what we put on are, are those things where um, we thought it'd be good to make sure we're all on the same page. So to welcome someone in who's got significantly different theology, you know, and then they're going to start their small group on amillennialism, contrary to your class. There's a sense of like, hey, we want to make sure we don't skip over. Like, just so you know, what we believe, what we teach. 
That's cool. Um, likewise, you understand we're going to be dealing with sin. So someone, because so many churches don't do that, we thought that was worth explicitly making clear. So somebody's, we don't want to bait and switch. We don't want to, you know, um, once they come in now, here's the heart, like right up front with, with that type of stuff. So part of how we chose the six things we chose are what things is at least safe to assume we're all on the same page with? Would it be helpful to explicitly talk through? And, the, and those are some of them. So the, the fact that we're gathering to worship the Lord, I think probably is on our list of like, yeah, I think we all assume that that's not, that didn't make the top six only because it seems so much to be non-controversial and assumed. But your point of don't assume it, say it clearly, I think is fair enough to Pro unpack, yeah. unpack it for number four. Prayer is another one that yeah. comes to my yeah. my mind. We could, I, as again, I feel like that's part of the regular gathering and using my gifts to serve the body. In some sense, prayer, I don't know if it would be technically a gift in the New Testament, but if you look through what the qualifications of a widow are, a true widow, that she is devoting herself night and day to prayer and supplication, it's like clearly she is blessing the body by what she's doing. Um, and all it is is between her and the Lord. So, Bennett in the back. When you were talking about love and wisdom and faith, were you kind of like relying on, well, he said the pyramids and he God's on top of the pyramids and the pyramids are huge. And um, anyway, um, anyway, I, is he referring to us on the bottom? Dave, as I understand it, Dave was making an analogy that the people coming together, like what we're doing in this room right now, would be the base of the pyramid. And then as we look up to worship God, not only are we beholding God, but it's that act is drawing us together. It was an, it was an analogy. He was making a yeah, word. He was making a word picture. We have trouble in our life, like for instance, right now. I'm having a lot of trouble right now, like um, since I'm moving. Uh, to a different place and that's a lot of hard thing on me and it's like i don't know why am i getting this done to me what did i do so yeah it's like i've been praying and trying to get wisdom inside of me i've been reading the book of job and like saying to myself like if Job can handle it, so can I. And like, Bennett, can we? I'm just trying to stay on on focus. We 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 are praying for your move, but I I think I answered your first question. And is there a second question or? I just wish I had more faith in me. We we will. We know you're in a trial. We we will continue to pray that you uh, figure out with your living situation and things that that is not easy that is not easy at all carrie okay so going back to just addressing like an everyday life in the body working with each other um we've talked about like if there's direct sin obviously we have to go and talk to our brother or sister about that um but when we're talking about weaknesses i think all of us hopefully would acknowledge that we have them 
and areas we need to grow in. But I think part of the body's function seems to be that where maybe I can be blind to my weakness or the extent of my weakness, other people can be aware of it. And so how, how do you navigate that? Or like, what's our relationship look like with that? Where it's not like I can confront you with sin. Like there's more nuance to how much do I address it? When do I address it? Like, do I, am I responsible for helping you grow and your weakness and you and mine and that kind of stuff? Does that make sense? Can, can you give an example of a weakness that's not a sin in your own mind? Oh boy, that's a good one. That's a good question. Uh, like. I can. Okay, yeah. Well, no. Good, we're gonna I pass know you can't. I'm just wondering what you mean by a weakness. Well, I mean, it could be a variety of things. Like we said, maybe it's abruptness that we don't know, or like maybe someone doesn't even recognize as sin, or maybe it's like I spend time with people, but my attitude is more grumbling than I recognize. And you could point it to sin eventually, but I think like you have to dig into it a little bit more to discern someone else's heart. But maybe it's just a pervasive habit of, Oh, when I talk about something, I only talk about the negative side and like am not great at praising God in that or something. I don't know. And so So there yeah, there there's there are categories of things that are sin, and then Paul can also say things like, as you are already doing this, do it even more. I, I put that in the category of weaknesses. It's not that there's something you're not there's not it's not that you're doing something you shouldn't do. Take something like hospitality or fellowship. You're, you're doing it. It's clearly a short spoke for you on the, on the wheel. You, you could be doing it more. Others are doing it more. This is hard. That's how I would tend to think of weaknesses, things that aren't as... Some things like evangelism comes so naturally for some and for other people. It's hard, hard work. Now, assuming you're engaged in that work and you're not resistant to that work, I don't think you're sinning. But you could be really weak. I, I'm really weak at talking to strangers. Or I'm, I really have a hard time. It, it, I stress out if we have people over to our house or whatever it might be. I, th that's how I'd be thinking of areas of weakness. Good things I should be doing that are harder, more difficult for me, and I'm less, um, I'm less mature in, I'm less competent at than others. Um, is that a working definition yeah. for, for weaknesses as opposed to sin? Yeah, or maybe I should be doing them more frequently. Yeah. So what do you what do you do with weaknesses? Um, th that's a great question because I don't need to go and rebuke somebody because they're not doing something. Where they're my friends, I think part of the relationship of friendship is so that your friends can encourage you to do better at things, to lead you in doing better with things. Um, part of and, and that's I think some wisdom in there. You don't just want to come and say, "Hey, um, I noticed that you you have a hard time making friends," and so. <laughs> Like right off the bat, you're going to discourage somebody. But thinking about, um, think no, but or whatever it is, I noticed that you uh, just. I, I noticed you have a hard time. Um, ironing I don't know, your clothes. Ironing your clothes. Yeah. Um, now hold on a second. Uh, uh, but but encouraging people with that, and, and there may even be a place to say, hey. It's sort of 
the equivalent of the shoe fits type of thing. And sometimes, well, let me well, let me use another example. There maybe there's just blessings, things that are good. I think you're. I think you would be happier. I think you'd be more blessed if you were doing this more. I think it'd be good for you. I, I think if you were frequently when people are suffering, I encourage them to try to go serve other people because I think that's one of the best remedies for your own suffering. You, as as you're being used as a conduit of grace for someone else, a couple things happen. You you see, hey, there are other people in hard places in the body, and and God's grace. I think it's to your benefit. This is my exhortation to you. Would be that it's not like I have a command or a rebuke, but um, fre- frequently as friends, we can encourage each other in ways like that. I don't, what do you want? I to think say? Carol gave us the answer earlier in First Thess five admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. So you want to help them, and you want to admonish them, and you want to encourage them. And it takes some level of skill to figure out which one of those it is, and you know, how do I balance it? But if you notice something, encourage them in it. Hey, it would be great to see you at small group more than once every couple months. It's hard to get to know you, and we hardly ever see you, and we'd love to have you there, and it's always a blessing when you join us. You know, that that might be all that's needed, or it might be closer to an admonishment. Uh, you know, you're really idle in your faith, and I don't see you doing much at all, at period. And do you agree, or am I off base? Maybe you're doing things I don't know about. I don't know. You, you, Kathy, snickered at my <laughs> idle comment. <laughs> I just have a quick. I just have a quick thing to piggyback off Carrie. A, a weakness that comes to my mind is tardiness or being late to something. I think I know what you would say about it, Jeremy. We've talked a little bit about it, but just there are a lot of people in Iowa that show up, you know, pretty late to things. Because we just are like, we'll just show up whenever, it's fine. They, don't, they won't start right away. And so it's just kind of that lollygagging thing. But some people really get offended by it. If you say, hey, I'm going to meet you at 8, and they're not there till 8.15, you know, is that considered more of a, you know, let your yes be yes, let your no be no type thing? Or Since, since you know what I'm going to say, I'm going to let Daniel go first here. <laughs> but I do want to do bite at this up. When when you tell someone you're going to be there at 8 in Hawaii and you show up at 8.15, they say, why are you here so early? Uh, so the it is a very culturally determined. I remember in Africa, it was when, when is church, it's like 10 o'clock, and that means sometime between 11 and 12. Um, because it was, we will start church when there's enough people in the room. We know so-and-so's missing. We'll just hang out until he shows up, and then we'll start. In our culture, the expectations are usually there, and if they're not there, you can ask for clarification. Is that a sharp eight, or is that an about eight? Um, but I, I would say Iowa is it's Iowa on time, right? Is five or 15 minutes early? I don't know what the rule is. Um, and that's a big change culturally, but you're seeking to bless everyone. You're seeking to love others, prefer them. So if you know they prefer you to show up on time, you do everything you can to show up on time. And then if they're coming to your place and you know they prefer not to show up on time, you get ready for them not to show up on time, you know? <laughs> you know and, and with the weakness, maybe you have a chat with them. If you see a pattern, 
I mean, because because oftentimes we we flatter ourselves, and so I didn't realize my lateness to things until one or two people pulled me aside like hey this, this seems to be a pattern oh, surely it's not a pattern it only happens once or twice actually no, it happens like five or six you know so sometimes the friend is simply saying hey um this seems to be more of a pattern than you think what what type of help do you need and it's the wake-up call other times people just aren't creative enough in their thinking i mean i, I remember when i was at, when i was out in california zach my friend Zach, um, we'd drive to church and we'd always get there 10 minutes late. And I started asking him, hey, can we leave earlier? And here was his thinking. It should only take 20 minutes to get there, so we're going to leave 20 minutes early. I'm like, this is the fifth Sunday. That postulate didn't work. <laughs> well, that was because there was traffic. <laughs> it's LA. So, okay. Um, okay. So, so sometimes it's, it's I, mean, I think sometimes people make plans for church or other things if everything works perfectly and I get all the lights at the right time, we'll be there on time. And so sometimes it's simply encouraging someone, maybe, maybe you should plan with some, I've had to do this with kids. We just got to plan with a built in time. Now the carpenters can tell you that means sometimes we get to small group 20 minutes early because all the lights lined up properly. Cause no, when I figure out how we're going to get somewhere, I got to make that target at 20 minutes. And then I just got to move it behind the time I want to be there. So Serena gets here usually on Sunday mornings. Her kids are sick with colds. But she'll get here between load 8.15 and 8.30 on any given morning because it's hard to get really precise. But we want to make sure that she's here before 8.45, you know. And so you just got to make adjustments like that. So sometimes it's just helping someone think through it. Or it could be a discipline issue, self-discipline issue. It could be all sorts of things. But maybe the starting point is just asking if they're even aware of it. And what they're thinking, it, it can be the case that someone's like, no, surely that's not the case. So sometimes as a friend, I've said this to someone like, hey, I don't know what's going on or what your deal is, but it seems pretty habitual. There seems to be a pattern. I, I, and this gets back to Leviticus 19 of not looking down on someone. I've had to say to someone, look, I found myself assuming you're going to be late. And that's probably not a good thing for me to do. I'll, I'll make a wisecrack to Serena and I'll say, you know, they're almost here. I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> Well, what's happening? I'm despising them. Like, so for my own sake, I probably need to go talk to them because I'm beginning to judge them and look down at them in my heart. Um, I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons with Leviticus 19 why it's so important, not only for the health of the other person, but for my own heart. I can't, God has not designed my heart so that I can think ill of you and not begin to despise you in little subtle ways. There's no way around it. So for my own sake, so sometimes just going and talking to a person like, hey, am I missing something? Or is this a pattern that's going on? But we can be blind to the patterns. If, if you just said to someone, hey, I noticed uh, you've, you've been showing up five minutes late for every Sunday school or whatever it is, it, just leave it at that. See what they say. Do they have a guilty conscience and they respond with a defense? And if that's the case, then you kind of know where you're dealing with. If they're like, yeah, I, of course I show up five minutes late to Sunday school. Doesn't everyone? <laughs> I gotta... then, you, then you can explain, oh, in my Sunday school, I'd like it if you showed up on time. Or when you come to a hair, a hair appointment, I appreciate it when you show, on show up on time. Because guess what that affects? It will affect the, the next person. And so we're preferring others by doing that, whatever the situation 
I got it because Joel's here. I learned about Iowa on time from Joel. Because he missed a... W- well, I'm sorry. You I'm, missed a wedding. Well, so we, you missed shortly, the marriage. Yes. Shortly after Stan <laughs> and I got here, we were invited to the Vederick wedding. And in, no, in California, if they say the wedding's starting at noon, the grandparents might be seated by 12, 20, 12, 30. I mean, am I exaggerating at all? I didn't go to that many weddings in L.A., but, but yes, it's late. No, no, seriously. So let's say the Vedric wedding was noon. I think it was probably earlier. I think we got here about five minutes after the state of start time. Joel had already got them exchanging rings up front. <laughs> no, because Joel, Joel, Joel starts on time, man. And, and Joel, so we got here, maybe just five, six, seven minutes late, and we'd missed most of the wedding. I was like, oh, that was my sort of wake up lights on this is not california we're not in kansas anymore toto you know moment um so yeah okay lee happy anniversary happy anniversary (laughs) very good yes um oh i was thinking of the verse what what carrie was talking about about uh what to do about people to encourage them. And I was thinking, I know somewhere there's a spurring each other on to good works. And I was thinking of the difference in horses. And some horses, just a little tickle with the spur is probably enough. And then some others, perhaps a little bit more of a dig. So it's just depending on on that person's sensitivities to, you know, it's people you know, people you love, and you're going to help them and see what they need and then encourage them one way or another like a parent with different children right some children need a lot of love <laughs> and some just need a gentle little push and that's and that's getting to know people and, and there isn't one size this all way to talk to people i got one daughter i could look at just she'll cry you know and someone else i gotta like no seriously I can walk them through it and yeah as you get to know different people in the body you uh, are going to learn some people need it more frankly than others and some you can hint, and some people you hinted for 10 times, and now you just got to say it plainly, or whatever. Kathy. So this kind of goes along with Lee, but um, so I think it's it's can be not a good thing to say, I notice your clothes are wrinkled, for instance. <laughs> so um, I think a better way to to encourage people and also to you know, find out what they're thinking is, do you have an iron? <laughs> you know, I mean, like, Pardon me, but if we you were ask, if you you ask questions, if you ask questions, then you know, because honestly, some people don't know that they need to iron clothes. Um, you know, seriously, or some, like you said, some people have a different idea of what being on time is. So if you can formulate a question so that it doesn't come like, uh, well, I think you should do this, or I think I noticed that you're rude to everybody, or, you know, you could just ask a question in a understanding way that's going to help people when they answer it, they're like, oh, oh yeah, I never thought of that, you know. I, he wants to. Replied, it's a good thing God looks on the heart, not on the clothes. Right? There you go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, why would I need an iron? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. And Joel, remember uh, Larry? What was his last name? Larry, and he bought all his clothes at, at the 
<laughs> at the um, Goodwill. And remember, he had that awful plaid suit, and somebody offered to buy it. You have it. <laughs> <laughs> So you were the one that bought it. No, Harold, my son-in-law. Harold bought it. Okay. 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 We've got to bring it. We've okay. Got to bring it in. Got to bring I'm it gonna. In. I'm gonna add one more tiny thing here um, about Joel and his timeliness, Jeremy. Yes. Uh, it's more than I, re I remember him back the long ago saying to me, Carol, um, could you end the prelude 45 seconds early today? Seriously. Rockford stories, yes. Okay, Greg. That's remarkable. I know we've been talking through, and 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 you know the four-letter word love has been mentioned a few times, but I just want to encourage us as as we think through that that um, you know walking together and and what does it mean for us to be a church that we we also consider you know how are we loving one another now love is. It can be expressed and experienced in multiple ways. We're talking through some of the, the silliness of, you know, buying you an iron or shirts or whatever. But um, it could be, you know, calling out sin. It could just be encouraging one another. I, you, know, you know, I'm not trying to create another sub point for item number four or, or commitment number four. But just, you know, I feel compelled to... Um, you know, just encourage us all in it to uh, to love one another, and and that being kind of the mark of you know what it is to be a church as well. Right. Well, and and part of what you're going to figure out even in these conversations is something somebody else. Let's use the example Isla gave. One person might think just with what their background, what their milieu, what their culture is, of course you iron. And someone else might think, why on earth? You're going to have a good discussion. If you're coming at it not not judging someone or, you go, oh, okay. You know, you, that's a nice cultural assumption for you. That's not, and you, you talk and you, you're, if we're bearing with each other, giving each other the benefit of the doubt, speaking kindly to each other, some of those things you could trip someone up on, you know, um, huh, you, you, you learn and you, you figure things out. I name no names, but I used to come in sweat sweatpants and, and a t-shirt. That was my comfortable uh, wear in college. But uh, you know, and it was mentioned that oh, that's that's an interesting you know you know attire, so forth. Anywho, um, but you know, I I willingly and lovingly will wear and actually enjoy at times wearing, you know, uh, you know what I wear to church these days. But I do it for the benefit of, of, of others and sure. to not be a uh, uh, distraction to others. But yeah, I, I mentioned that to say that it was mentioned to me in only the kindest of ways and, um, and, and uh, was received. You know, one of, one of the things during uh, the, the beginning stages of the pandemic, people who started to work from home, you wake up and you wear your pajamas and most people pick up on the fact that I'm not getting as much done. And they actually recommend get up and get dressed and you'll get more done in your work. You guys know what I'm talking about? So maybe that was the comment about the sweatpants, I don't know. I love the sweatpants, Greg. They look great. Cool. Um, yeah. Okay, we got we got five minutes. Oh, Jake. This is a small side point. I'll try and make it briefly. I, I was thinking about this last week. How strong and how 
important the bonds between believers are. Yeah. Thought experiment. If I were to meet someone who was about my age, my same profession, like the same sports teams I did, similar political proclivities, you know, same vocation, all that kind of stuff, we would have a lot to talk about. It would be easy if you, if you bumped into someone who was your sort of mirror image, had everything in common with you, and you could chit-chat with that person, it would be easy, friendship would be likely, it would be, it would be easy time together, and you'd have a lot in common with this person. And if I met a person like that, who is not of Christ, I have more in common with a 95-year-old Vietnamese woman who is different language, different culture, two generations older than I am. I have more in the eternal, most important sense, I have far more in common with that person than I do with someone who I would seem to have everything in common with. It is more important that I recognize that and see that I am closer to a believer anywhere because we have the most important things in common. And that's just a believer in the church, the global church at large, not even like this church body. The bonds between us are very strong. Not lightly formed, still less lightly broken. And I think it, it, it amazes me how strong those bonds become and how important they are if we give them the weight that Scripture does. Yeah. Because sometimes we're just tempted to minimize it or just say that's just one compartment of my life. They are, it, it is incredibly important what believers have together, what they share together in a church. And I just wanted to... Thinking through that and just realizing that if I look at things the way Christ talks about things, I have far more important in things in common with all the people here than with anybody anywhere else. And I just wanted to, that, that was kind of a and Jake, big, that, big moment for me. That points to the glory of Christ because it takes no supernatural power for me to get along with someone who likes the same sports teams, has the same political, etc. It takes something supernatural for me to love and care about someone who has none of that in common, but does share Christ. And as we get to know each other and the bonds of love are, are increased, then Christ gets the glory because we're demonstrating work is going on here that is not natural. It's not normal. Yeah, the, one, of the, one of the things that I, I think is so significant about the local church is it gives a concrete black and white list of people that I need to love that normally I can go through life largely picking and choosing who I want my friends to be, who I spend time with. When I became a, a part, a member of this church, 1 Corinthians 13, the, the love chapter, which is at all these weddings, is really the, can you knuckleheads in the church love each other chapter? It's right in the middle. If you read through 1 Corinthians, there are all these factions, and right in the middle of the discussion about the factions and the quarreling about spiritual gifts, Paul has to stop and say, look, love each other. And so, Here's a list, the most current list we have. There's about 30 of these out by the mailboxes of the members at Martinsville Community Church. And here's a black and white list of people I need to love that I can't 
cross anyone's off and say, well, not that person, not that person, um, as much as I would like to. Um, <laughs> I'm, I joke, I joke. But that me and there's some, it's going to be easy. And others, it's going to be hard work. And love is patient, love is kind, love does not reject. That's, that goes across the whole broad spectrum. The Lord wants me to learn to love my elders and children. The Lord wants me to learn to love people like me and people very different from me. The, the, the glory of the Lord is seen in the diversity of the body and in me learning to love all these people. Even back to your question, Carol, what does that look like? It's broadening. Will I know and will I have a relationship with everyone in this body at the same depth? No. Should I be looking to deepen and broaden my relationships and the depth of my relationships with people in this body? Absolutely. Um, I shouldn't just be content in my own little ghetto of the same seven friends that I hang out with constantly. Um, I should be trying to get to know and, and know more of the body. And I think we all should at our own varying paces. But that's one of the beauties of having a particular local church is it stops being abstract. It's really easy to love people in the abstract. You know, to be up above with the saints I love, oh, that would be glory, but down below with the saints I know, ah, that's a different story. In the New Testament, that is most clearly seen in the chapters and sections that deal with the Jews loving the Gentiles, the masters and the slaves worshiping together, if those boundaries can be crossed so that a, a Jewish slave is worshiping next to his Gentile master or some such scenario, how easy is it for us to love one another? <laughs> that, that is a, a remarkable testimony to the work of Christ. Amen. Probably a good time to pray. Amen. Let's do it. Let's do it. Lord God, we are so grateful to you for this body and for each member that you have, have brought to us. And we ask that you would help us to love one another from our hearts, that it would be a, an act of worship and an act of service toward you, that we would look out not only for our own interests, but also the interests of others. May we be a people who are interested in one another and not only getting to know one another, but learning the needs of one another that we might serve and and bring those needs before your throne we ask that as we seek to do that that we would be built up in love and that christ who is the head of all would be glorified and we pray in his name amen